today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. ask you in the honesty of your own heart how long do you really believe God when it takes that long I don't know about you but I struggle in those things when you know the promise is there but it just seems like man it's just like one battle after another battle after another battle after another battle but the word also tells us that he who has promised is faithful Amen. How patient are you when you have to wait for something? The Lord told the people of Israel about His promises, but it took hundreds of years for them to happen. God works in a totally different realm than we do. Today, we will learn with Pastor David a little bit more about how God operates as we study the story of Joshua leading the people into the promised land. We are usually anxious to arrive while God is invested in our journey. He has not forgotten His promises. He is preparing you. He is faithful. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, Crossing Over. in the book of Joshua, Old Testament. I invite you to turn there. We are going to be looking at chapters 3 and 4 this evening. It's a time of crossing over for the children of Israel, a time of crossing over. Joshua chapter 3 and 4. Now, the Bible tells us, the Word of God tells us, that if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The Bible also tells us that we are to confess our sins one to another. The Bible also tells us that love covers a multitude of sins. And so tonight, I'm just going to do a little confession of sin tonight, and hopefully in just the love and the grace that you have, you'll cover me on that. I just want to let you know tonight, I am not a patient man, okay? I I do not have patience. I struggle with that. I've struggled with that all my life. Uh, Some have said my middle name actually is Patience. The problem is my first name is No. And... I've shared with you guys in the past that uh, actually in in my house, uh, there are clocks like everywhere. If you notice around this church, there are clocks everywhere. It's a strangeness that I have. Okay, I confess that. I give that to you. In my bedroom, there's no less than two clocks in my bedroom. In my bathroom, I have another clock. In my kitchen, I have a couple of clocks. And where our TV room, there's another clock in there as well as the one that usually comes on on the TV when you're watching it. On my phone, I've got a clock. On my iPad, I've got a clock. I've got clocks. I'm, I'm concerned about the time. When I lay down at night, I finally kiss my wife Good night. We roll over. Okay, we're going to get into sleep. The last thing I do, guess what? I look at the clock. Why do I do that? I have absolutely no idea other than the fact that 
I'm just so impatient. I, I just want to see things done uh, and sometimes hopefully done in an orderly fashion. But I, I am impatient. And if something's going to be done, I'd like for it to happen now. If somebody comes to me and says, hey, and next September, we're going to do that. I'm thinking the whole time, well, why don't we do it now? Why don't we do it now? Well, can't we do it now? What's keeping us from doing it now? Is there any reason why we can't do it now? What's happening right now that we can't do it right now? Is there anything in the way? We're going to be going on a vacation this summer. It's like forever away to me. I'm thinking, good grief, it's taken like forever to go and see family in Louisiana and a wedding and everything. Do you remember, some of you it's going to be harder to remember than others, but do you remember when you were like 13 or 14 and you were waiting, anticipating being 16 so that you could get a driver's license? And how long that seemed to be. And, okay, that's my life, okay? That's my life. And then you get a driver's license at 16, and then you wait to be like either 18 or 21. Then you get to be 21, and you kind of wait to be 30. And then you get to be 30, and you move on into 40, and you wish you were 30 again. Yeah, We, all of us, I think in one sense or another, there are those occasions in our life where we are anticipation and our anticipation might kind of overwhelm us a little bit more than it ought to. But let me ask you this. What would you do if God promised you something and it took almost 500 years for him to do it? Sometimes it does feel like it. Yeah. This isn't eternity, but sometimes it feels like it. When God promises in our life, I don't know about you, but the things that I've either received from the Word or just that He's impressed upon my spirit, very seldom do I get a date on it. Very seldom do I say, hey, this is going to happen next week or tomorrow or anything. It's all in His timing. And one of the things, even at 62 almost 63, even at middle age, one of the things that I I continue to learn is there's not a whole lot that I can do to hurry things along in God's time frame. God works in a totally different realm than we do. God's not worried about daylight savings time or Pacific time or the fact that it's really Arizona time and all the world revolves around us. God's not worried about time because he has a plan, he has a schedule. I look at the children of Israel. I look at the promises that were given to Abraham as he came out of Ur of the Chaldees. And the Lord said to Abraham, all of this is yours. And your descendants are going to fill this land as much as the sand is on the seashores, as much as the stars are in heaven. And then he had just one son, you know. You think, well, you know, at least I'd have a couple of sons to get this thing going. No, he only had one true son, Ishmael, the son of the bondservant, but for Isaac, the one true son. And then Isaac has two, you know, Jacob and Esau, the battle that's there. And and if I'm Abraham, I'm thinking, this isn't going very fast. Uh, I don't know if this is really going to happen. Then, of course, Jacob, he has 12 sons. So, okay, things are starting to pick up. But then they go into captivity in Egypt, literally, for hundreds of years. 
I don't know how much you process those kinds of things in the Word. I mean, we can read through it in just a couple of moments. We can read through, you know, the whole situation of the book of Exodus and all the things that have gone on. We can read through the book of Genesis and not too long, and we can man, there are literally thousands of years that are going on there. They lived it. They lived the reality that one generation after another generation after another generation after another generation, were in bondage in Egypt. And all the time, there had to be those that were saying, yes, but the God of our father Abraham promised us that we would have that land. Let me ask you, in the honesty of your own heart, how long do you really believe God when it takes that long? I don't know about you, but I struggle in those things. When you know the promise is there, but it just seems like, man, it's just like one battle after another battle after another battle after another battle. But the Word also tells us that He who has promised is faithful. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're at a point in time tonight in the book of Joshua where the children of Israel, they've been in the wilderness for 40 years now. That journey should not have taken that long, but because of their own sin, because of their own rebellion. And that's one of the things that I've got to understand in my life, too. Some of the things that I think that God ought to hurry up on, he's saying, yeah, and I would, if you would listen a little bit better, if you would respond correctly. My wife, Tot, and I, we have a uh, kind of a saying with each other. It's like one more lap around Mount Sinai. You know, because we've messed up here or this didn't go, we've taken the wrong choices. So it's like one more lap, man, one more lap before we get to where he really wants us. I think for the children of Israel, when they look and they see, they they understand these promises that were given to their forefather, but that was hundreds of years ago. So then finally this Moses guy comes, he says, hey, come on, we're out of here. And so there's a lot of doubt, there's a lot of confusion. Is Moses really going to be able to lead us? And then Moses shows, hey, it's not by me, it's not by my might, it's not by my power, it's by the power of Jehovah, the one who said, I am. And he is the one who's leading me, he's leading us. And sure enough, God brings these miracles there into Egypt. The children of Israel are released and they're ready to go. And then all through the wilderness experience, God's miraculous hand is on them over and over again. But yet they still don't trust him enough, do they? That when suddenly something comes that's bigger than they are, they back down. Let's forget about bigger than who their God is because they really don't have a good concept of who God is when suddenly we're more concerned about the things that are bigger than what we can take care of. Most of you know, too, that I'm kind of a fix-it guy, and my grandchildren say that uh, Papa can fix anything. And I'm really fine with that because one day they'll realize I can't. Okay, But for right now, they think that I can. But in every aspect of our life, there are times... More times than really we often are willing to admit that we can't fix. We have absolutely no control, no power over. And that's when our understanding, our faith and knowledge of who God really is, when that comes into play in our lives. Because let's face it, if life is only up to us, we're all in a mess. Amen? Some of you believe that, and some of you are still questioning that. I understand that. I can deal with that. But the fact is, if it's up to you, 
We are, you are in a mess. It's time now for the children of Israel. They've gone through their 40 years of wilderness. They now have gone through, they've checked out Jericho. They realize that the people in the promised land on the other side of the Jordan, they're, they're fearful. Man, they're so afraid, not only of the people of Israel, these Hebrews, these wanderers in the desert, but they are really afraid of their God because they've heard that their God is mighty and powerful. He's mighty and powerful against enemies that were much greater than who the children of Israel were. And the can we put it this way, just so you understand? So the non-believers, okay, the Gentiles, those on the western side of the Jordan, they have actually a better concept of who Israel's God is than many of the people of Israel. Because they're fearful of the might and the power that they've seen and that they've heard. Man, this is a God that opened the Red Sea. This is a God that destroyed Pharaoh's army. This is the God that allowed them to wipe out the king of Sihon and Og. And my goodness, and they're getting ready to come over across the river. They are more impressed with Israel's God than most of Israel is. Now, we're going to see that even as we go all through Joshua, that there's going to come times that the children of Israel think, wow, yes, God can do anything. There's other times that say, oh, this is nothing, God, I'll take care of this. And then all of a sudden there's those times that they realize that, hey, Lord, you know, you've got to deal with this because we're being overwhelmed. Tonight we're going to look at that section of Scripture where they began taking that first step in a promise that is hundreds and hundreds of years old. That finally they are in a place and a position in their life God has, even as he shares them, hey, you know, it's not happening yet because the Amorites hadn't come to the fullness of their sin yet. Because you remember what he's telling them to do, what he's told them to do, that when you go into that land, you wipe out everybody because of the sinfulness, because of the wickedness that's there. In our culture today, we look at that and we think, well, that's cruel, that's wrong, that's, I mean, that's not the right kind of way to do. But you need to realize it's a whole different culture. It was a whole different type of a world at that time. And the perversion and the wickedness was, yes, even worse than what we see today. And we see some pretty perverse, wicked things today. And God says, we're going to wipe that totally out. We're going to get rid of that wickedness within the land. And I'm going to use you to do that. God sets about doing a work within our lives. And when he does, there is usually some work of preparation in our lives. Amen? Yeah. Before he can really work and use us, there's usually some things that he has to work and deal within our lives to get us to that situation. Children of Israel, they're about to move in. They're about to move into that land of promise. They're about to move into that place where God was going to use them so powerfully to overwhelm the enemy and be able to secure that land. And yet there's still a job that needed to be done in them. Let me ask you this evening as we get ready to get into Joshua chapter 3. In your own personal life, in your own personal life, and in your family situation, for those of you that have a family beyond just yourself, are you ready for God to use you if this evening when you go to bed, he gives you a vision or a dream and says, I want you to do this in your life? Are you really in a position, spiritually, mentally, let's even say financially, 
that if God called you to do something, that you would be able to say, here my Lord said to me. Or is it, well, you know, I've, I've got to check with this for, I, I've got to take, here, well, what about this? But, or i got to clean up my own house before I can really be used. Joshua chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, or the Acacia Grove, and came to the Jordan. And he and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they crossed over. And so it was that after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the Lord your God, or the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. It's now time for final preparation. It was time to, man, when you see it moving, you've got to be ready. Don't be holding on to anything. You've got to be ready to move. Don't say, you know, I'll, I'll be ready tomorrow because this isn't quite ready right now. No, you've got to be ready when the ark starts moving, when God calls you in your life. We need to be in a situation in our life that we'll say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Because really and truly for the child of God, that's the only answer. Because a wait Lord is a no Lord. A later Lord is a no Lord. Are we ready to simply say, yes, Lord, here am I. When you see the ark start to move, man, you got to be ready to go. You shall set out from your place and go after it. He says, in reference to the ark here, he says, but don't get too close to it. He says about 2,000 cubits by measuring. You think, well, why 2,000 cubits? Well, that's about 3,000 feet. That's quite a ways away. That's over half a mile away from where the ark is going to be carried. Why in the world did they have to be that? Why well, you understand you don't want to touch the ark. A little bit later we read of one who touched the ark even when it was falling and he lost his life. We understand that, again, the holiness of the ark. But why so far away? I think one of the reasons why is so that, again, they would allow the vision of for everyone to be able to see it. If they all crowded around it, they wouldn't all be able to see it. But I do also believe that there is also that maintaining of the sacredness, the holiness of that ark. And he wanted to make sure, I believe that God wanted to make sure, that the people didn't take that as just a common thing. That, you know, hey, it's no big deal. No, there's clear directions. You need to stay back away from it. We need to, again, watch and see what direction it's moving. Because we're not moving just a few dozen people here. We're moving hundreds of thousands, a million plus people here that are going to be moving and they need to be able to see where it's going. So they've moved from the Acacia Grove or Shitham to the border or to the, the shores there of Jordan. That's a, that was about seven miles. Now they're saying, now you got to get ready when it happens. Verse two, it says, and so it was that after three days, the officers went through the camp. Get ready, get ready. Be careful how close you get, 2,000 cubits by measure. And again, we look at that. Remember, how were, how were they led before? They were led through the wilderness by the cloud by day 
and a pillar of fire by night. Do you realize that's gone now? That's gone. And so now they've got to keep their eyes focused on something that's not quite as magnificent. You know, hey, uh, pillar of fire at night, you can see that. But the ark wasn't very big. It wasn't very big at all. The priests carrying it, they wanted to make sure that everyone could see it. The pillar, the cloud, they're gone. Their direction would now be made known by the moving of the ark and the commands of Joshua. There were now a people that were on a move in a purposeful direction, no longer just wandering around the desert wilderness. Now there was a place specifically that they were going. They were no longer simply biding their time as they wandered, a people with no mission. Now God has said, no, now it's time to go in and take the promised land. And then in verse 5, verse 5, Joshua says to them, Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourselves. Anybody, what does it mean to sanctify? To set apart. And to set unto also. To set apart from and set unto. It's the same idea, the same understanding. It's the same word that we really get the word holy from. Sanctified, holy. Sanctify yourself. What is he saying here? He says, man, prepare yourself spiritually for what's about to happen. Because tomorrow there's going to be the beginning of a spiritual battle. Oh yeah, there's going to be physical elements to it. There's no doubt. But the main run, the main course of this is going to be a spiritual battle. Why? Because you are going to a place, like they said before, a place you have not passed this way before. You're going to be entering into a place, into a situation in your life that you've never been before. You better have your heart ready. You better have your spirit ready to be able to receive from the Lord, to listen to the Lord, to reject all of these things. Why? Because they're going into a land that was so wretched, so wicked and perverse that they're going to be drawn every way they can to be pulled into that. And we're going to find out as we go through this study that there's sometimes they fall into that. So sanctify yourself because tomorrow... We're going to be on the move. We're going to be going. Tomorrow, the Lord is going to do wonders among you. Once again, you got to think about the excitement of the camp. The people of Israel, you know, the 12 tribes, the descendants of Jacob, again, in slavery for hundreds of years, wandering in the desert for 40 years. Now, tomorrow, they're going to be entering in. But before they enter in, there's got to be that accounting that's done, that examination, that purification of the individual. Again, God was going to move among them. They needed to be ready for his presence and for his power to work. If you and I... We're going to go into a battle tomorrow. It would only be logical for us to check our gear, check our supplies, check our weapons, make sure that uh, we've got enough ammunition, make sure that everything was operationally set and ready to go if we were going into a physical battle. But Joshua here tells the people, not check your supplies. He doesn't say check your swords, check your shields. He knows that what they're about to experience is a spiritual battle like they've never experienced before. Open our hearts, change us 
Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the book of Joshua next time. Now, we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at theopenword.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to The Open Word podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now, here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that the open word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word. Go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the support option in the main menu. Thanks, Tracy. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the book of Joshua. That's next time on The Open Word.